Hi, welcome back to In The Pink with me, Natalie Pinkham, and in partnership with Bose, helping you stay close and connected while still physically apart throughout this coronavirus crisis. Thanks so much for all your feedback and your comments on the various guests that we've published over the last few weeks. And we've got another lovely one for you today. Her name is Rosie Nixon, and she's the editor-in-chief of Hello! magazine. She's also an author in her own right. Now, Hello! have got an interesting policy. It's a rare one, it has to be said, where they consciously report positive news. And not critical, not negative. And it's all part of a campaign that Rosie and her team launched called Hello! to Kindness. And I thought, given that the hashtag Be Kind kind of exploded on social media before the lockdown, it feels a bit like it's been lost amidst all the noise of coronavirus. That's to be understood. Um, But it's nice to revisit it. So I thought now is a good time to publish Rosie's podcast. And Rosie and I spoke before the lockdown. That's why we make no reference to coronavirus. It's probably a good thing. We all need a bit of escapism from it now and again. Um, But do let me know what you think. Um, She's met all sorts of interesting people over the years and she shares some of her fun stories with us. I hope you enjoy it. Here she is, Rosie Nixon. Well, hello, Rosie. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) And here we are in the Hello offices. Um, Thank you for your time this morning. Um, So here we are, sitting in HQ, as it were. And you've been here, what? South Bank. On a cold but sunny Mm. winter's morning. Um, You've been here, what, close to a decade? Over now, yeah, nearly 12 years. No way. Yes, I know, it's bizarre. When you're doing a magazine every week, something happens to your idea of time, I think. It just goes super fast. Well, that's the same as being a mum, I think, isn't it? <laughs> that's true. The yeah. days are long, the no. years are short. Yeah. 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 And, and, and would you, is this what kind of you envisaged 10 years mm. ago that you would be editor-in-chief of this, this beautifully glossy magazine? Oh, it's funny. I'd worked in women's magazines for a long time. I actually started my career, hilariously enough, at Barbie magazine. No way. Yeah. Well, I used to edit and write and kind of put the whole magazine together, really. It was just me and a designer. Um, so I've slowly sort of gone up in age from there. I went to teen magazines after Barbie, to Bliss magazine, and then a magazine called Looks, um, and then to New Woman, and then Red, Glamour, and Grazia, and then finally Hello. So I'll probably end up at The Lady or Saga at some point <laughs> <laughs> later in my career. But I found my spiritual home, I think, at Hello. Yeah. I really, really love it as you can tell, because I've been here for so long. Yeah. And we're all about sort of building trusted, long-term relationships with people, and that's why we get, you know, to cover these sort of great moments in their lives. Yeah. Their weddings. We featured your wedding you in did. Hello. Yeah. Um, first pictures of their babies, homes. I mean, all of that sort of content is still works really well for us. We're oh, still yeah. really strong on the newsstand. Yeah, and I want to talk more about your approach to the people that you feature Um later in the podcast just back to the barbie thing um Mm. so take take this in the the way that it's meant you look a bit like a barbie the traditional said the beautiful body and the gorgeous blonde blonde hair but one thing that's really struck me having bought 
a number of Barbies for Willow because yeah. that's her current obsession mm. at three Changed and a half. A lot, I love what they've done yeah. with Barbies. I've yeah, got, I have she's to bought say. every single type of Barbie and yes. Willow loves it. I did feel slightly conflicted actually when I was there at the time because that was quite a long time ago now. Um, gosh, probably like 25 years ago, um, scarily. Yeah, or 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> and we. Mattel, who owned the Barbie license, would have to approve everything that was written. And the amount, the degree to which they had the psyche of the doll kind of worked out was really quite terrifying. So they would, I'd send them the copy and they'd say things like, Rosie in paragraph three, you've got Barbie says, excuse me. Well, Barbie would say, pardon me. So change that bit. And it really, it was just to do with, you know, the way that they had worked out her personality and how she would speak and everything, the minutest detail about her. But I did feel slightly conflicted in that, you know, I wanted her to be an empowering figure. It's a very responsible position, really, to create a magazine for young girls at a formative age. So it was always sort of my mission when I was there to make sure that she was brave and inspiring and powerful and would be the boss, you know, rather than the assistant to the boss and and seeing what I could get past Mattel. But I think they've taken huge steps now to modernise her and certainly the diversity that you see within the doll now is so much better. Come a long way. It really has. And um, there's, I'm trying to think what they call Barbie fashionistas and she's, Willow's got them of all different shapes and sizes. They've got a Barbie in a wheelchair now. Yes. They've got yeah. um, Barbies with these fabulous hair, like frozen, that yes. she can plait their hair. Yeah. And, and it's great. And, you know, yeah, not a moment too soon, I suppose. No, um, no. But interesting how you talk about kind of growing with the magazines that yeah, you've gone through. They've kind of chart, they've charted your life in a way, hasn't it? Yes, and I think at a time when I worked in uh, teen magazines, at Bliss magazine, and a uh, magazine that I used to read when I was a teenage girl, um, I worked there at a time when celebrity was sort of becoming a big thing in the magazine world. So how long and personalities. So that was probably, gosh, I've been at Hello for 12 years. That was probably like 20 years ago. Um, And at a time when, yeah, celebrity was beginning to sell. It was less about having models on the front cover and sort of this image of a model sort of being this thin kind of perfect body. I mean, we've come a million miles away from that now as well. Mm. Um, But people were engaging with personality. So having a recognised face on the front. Um, somebody with a life story that you could relate to. Um, I remember, you know, people like Kelly Osborne were on the cover of the magazine at the time the Osbournes was really huge. And Julia Stiles was a big Hollywood actress. Um, And so, yeah, I got to interview lots of those people and decided to go down the celebrity editor sort of route. So I kind of started building up my little black book then um, and doing interviews with people because I've always loved meeting people and hearing their stories. And you have met an extraordinary amount of people. Uh, You touched on it before, trust is such an important thing in what you do. Um, How have you managed to sort of maintain that when in some ways it must go against the the, the journalist in you that wants to go for a good scoop but Mm. you don't want to ever feel like you're exploiting exposing somebody against their will well that's it and I think there when almost when I started at hello there was a feeling here that we were a bit of a soft touch Mm. and that we were like the nice publication and I kind of thought well we don't need to be embarrassed by this or apologetic about it or kind of ashamed in some way. We need to own this area. Mm. And that doesn't mean that we don't ask difficult questions in the interviews or tackle sensitive subjects, but we will work with the personality because they know that the environment we provide, they can trust. 
Um, and and so often, you know, stars might come to us in a difficult moment when they feel that something inaccurate has been written about them because they know that Hello will tackle it in a kind way. Mm. So I think kindness has really become our thing and I feel really passionately about, you know, us being a kind publication and mm. celebratory and positive. Mm. And I think there's a big, you know, we need that in our lives. You know, there's a lot of insecurity and worries about the wider world. And if Hello can take you out of that for a bit, you know, into a positive space, um, then then that's a great thing that we're doing. Yeah, here Sets you apart, really, in many it ways. It does, yeah, and it's been our great strength. Mm. Um, we launched our Hello to Kindness campaign last year, which we felt was really important to make a stand that was kind of about the online world there was a lot of negativity especially going on in royal circles aimed at the two duchesses Duchess of Cambridge and Duchess of Sussex and we felt that we needed to make a stand and say that we don't think it is okay to post negative comments and there was a lot of racist comments sexist comments really some horrendous things mm. going on online and our team were having to spend a substantial amount of time blocking people you know, deleting comments. So we made a stand and said, this doesn't have a place in our world. Um, so I think kindness, yeah, we, we've got more plans for it this year. We're really making that our thing. And it's made my job feel really meaningful as I really care about it. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, when you kind of block someone on Twitter, um, I think I've only done it once actually, because it was getting quite threatening. Oh, and I was like, yeah. this, is, this isn't cool. And I tried to address it. And, yeah. But anyway, it sometimes feels like you're putting a plaster over a sore. That the problem isn't going away. You're just sort of burying it slightly deeper. Yeah. And, and presumably with your campaign, this is kind of like a grassroots and, you know, from the ground up mm. initiative that you hope will maybe change the, the national the psyche. But, but what, what, I, this is the bit I don't get. Yeah. Like, why do you think? people think it's okay to troll. Yeah, well I think there's this idea that the online world isn't real life to some extent. And I mean, it's really crazy the way social media has changed all of our lives really. Um, but I think it's reminding people that the online world has become such a part of our daily life and our real life that you can't see the two as separate anymore. They are intrinsically linked. This is part of our lifestyle and it's not going anywhere mm. in the foreseeable future. So that you mustn't say something to somebody online that you wouldn't say to them to their face in the mm. street. So it's mm. reminding people just to think twice, to sort of stop before you post. Mm. And do you think that there's anything that, you know, People assume that celebrities are in some way immune to this, that they're protected, yes. that they that impervious to the the, the pain of a, a, an insult or comment mm, like that. Yeah, perhaps, and perhaps they don't think that they're, and all they think that they're in such a kind of, you know, special sort of position that mm. really, you know, it it, it can't hurt them. I, I don't know, mm. but and but also there are bots and kind of we don't actually know whether there is a real person at the end of that comment anyway. Um, but, but how does that even work? How yeah. how does a negative comment come from a bot? I actually I know. don't know. Well, there are like these whole kind of bot farms, supposedly, aren't there, in Russia um, that are all kind of computer generated. To but, but churning out negative comments. Yeah, I mean, but it's what, terrifying. I think to, to what the end? social media companies are trying to clamp down on them. 
Um, I know, it's bizarre. I don't fully understand that word. No, um, but it's to, horrible to think we have to develop like this thick skin, mm. you know, and to protect our children from sort of entering into that online world yeah. that and bullying that goes on. It's, it's really nasty. So I think just that simple measure of asking people to just think twice before yeah. you post. But maybe these people aren't the kind of people to think twice. No. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know, maybe yeah. we're expecting too much. Do you, do you also think that there's... Um, element of truth that they that they see this uh, perceived per- perfection mm-hmm. and it's in some way makes them in their narrow mm-hmm. mind feel better about their crappy lives mm-hmm. if if someone who's so beautiful and so perfect and so privileged perhaps isn't quite you know got it all or together a chink in that uh, exactly kind of perfect armor Perhaps. I mean, that's horrible, isn't it? It's a really sort of sad state of affairs that you could imagine people thinking like that, especially when it wouldn't ever come, you know, across your mind. It feels Mm. so alien. Mm. Um, But I think social media, you know, there has been this sort of presentation of a perfect life. And I think Mm. it's really important that people try to show all aspects of their life because otherwise we're trying to live up to these ridiculous ideals of perfection Mm. that just Mm. don't really exist. And can you do that with a magazine like Hello? Because Mm. obviously you want to, it's a a beautifully glossy magazine, it's got beautiful pictures in it, and it is a very positive magazine. Can you be positive and realistic? Yeah, I think you can. That's really important that we are. But as I say, that's a lot to do with the kind and trusted environment that we provide. So often you might see a beautiful shoot of a mother presenting her first child and it's a gorgeous baby shoot but you read that interview and she's talking about the struggle that she had to get there Mm. you know the miscarriages the fears of fertility but she's doing that to give hope to other women Mm. and doing it only with hello because she feels safe in the environment that we provide so it all does come back to that sort of trusted relationship and being a positive space yeah yeah i do i do always feel and not always perfect no no, I mean that, that's that's yeah. definitely true. You can be happy without being perfect. Yeah. I suppose that's the point, isn't yes. it? And you're the conduit for that. Um, yeah, just from my own experience with you, it definitely feels like you don't stitch people up. And mm. it, I think there's just this widespread mistrust of journalists that they're yeah. always going to just twist your words yeah. and just take them out of context and spin mm. them for the sake of clickbait or whatever it is. Yeah. And that in turn, you go, whoa, 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 I didn't mean it like yes. that. And you know I didn't yeah. mean it like that, but you've chosen to spin mm. it that way anyway. But similarly, we are journalists, you know, and it mm. is our jobs to kind of push to get the best story because mm. we don't want our readership, you know, we're doing this for our audience so that they feel there's really real value in buying hello every week. Yeah. But we, I don't want them to sit there and think, well, why didn't they ask that huge question, you know, the elephant in the room? We yeah. will always go there, yeah. but we will work with the person to find a way to do it that everybody feels comfortable with so yeah. that we feel that they really have been able to open up. So I'll give you an example where you didn't stitch me up, which I'll never forget. Oh, you, might okay. not, you might not even know you did yeah. this. But um, I was at Goodwood, at, oh, yes. uh, but it was at the race. It wasn't Festival of Speed. It was the it was Glorious Goodwood, the oh, horse yes. races, and yeah. I was with Zara. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to go and talk to Tom Cruise. Oh yes. And um, Tom Cruise turns out is a massive F1 fan, oh, yeah. which is kind of bonkers. And he was talking to me about. Um, the tyre compound choice from the Belgian Grand Prix. Right. I mean, that's kind of just how technical he got. Gosh. But he was so charming and he was so interested yes. in 
ridiculously my opinion of the tyre compound in Belgium. Yeah. Anyway. You know about the tyre uh, compound in Belgium. Yeah, well, That's amazing. Well, no, I mean, listen. <laughs> don't, yeah. I don't actually know what that means. There, anyway. Well, there might be a few people that listen to this podcast that go, well, I know all about the tyre yes. compound in Belgium. Yeah. But trust me, it's not that exciting. Okay. Um, anyway, um, there was some paparazzi behind him and they were shouting for him to turn around and have his picture taken. Mm. But of course, he was politely well not politely he was just ignoring them yeah. and so then they turned their attention to me because they obviously thought I was a soft target they were going Natalie Natalie make him turn around I was thinking I met him 30 seconds ago I yeah. can't make him turn around this is really awkward I, yes. I didn't know what to do and this is Tom Cruise and this is Tom Cruise exactly and um, <laughs> so I sort of like awkwardly laughed or something and the next day now listen I'm probably looking too deeply into it but the next day they printed this picture of me. Who did? Of, like, the Daily Mail. Oh, yes. And I was sort of putting this ridiculous face. And my neck was all like... Deirdre Barlow oh, from Coronation no. Street. It was all sort of stringy because yeah. I was like, sorry, Deirdre. Oh, a little bit yeah. stressed. Yeah. Um, but I was like... Um, I'm doing an impression <laughs> of my neck. You can't see it, listeners. But it was it's all... Quite st- a kind of, yeah, big, anyway, scraggy neck. Big, scraggy like, neck. And pulling a ridiculous horrible sort of like awkward yeah. laughter not a flattering photo. not a flattering picture exactly daily mail obviously printed it yeah um with some ridiculous headline like give us a kiss too or something which oh, obviously no. i never said because he kissed zara yes and then you spun it you d- you printed the picture but not that picture yeah. and you just wrote something lovely and i thought you know what that's so nice because mm. i just had a crappy experience yeah. of the day and it didn't matter in the whole scheme no. of things about the daily mail thing yeah, uh, but, but still, like, it was the way a, like, you could dampener on your day, can't it? If you well, read it, did a bit. yeah, yeah. And you know what it does. But, but you know what? all it does is make me think because I've seen yeah. the way things are spun in my own very very small way. Mm. I therefore don't believe anything yes. I read in certain papers yeah. because I know the spin they put on it. But you don't. You don't yeah. put that spin on it. Well, and also we play the long game. You know, yeah. we know there's no point in just going for like a quick win by post, you know, by posting online or putting in the magazine a photo yeah. of somebody that they are going to hate and that doesn't really serve a real purpose for our audience anyway. Because yeah. then when it comes to their wedding yeah. or a beautiful moment in their lives, they're, they're, not, they're going to remember that and think, well, actually, we won't work with that publication yeah. because I felt that they didn't treat me fairly, fairly that time. Very true. I mean, I'll never forget, I did an interview with The Sun when my first book came out about juggling sort of writing books, and, um, and I jokingly had said, because I had two very young children at the time, oh... And they said, well, how do you kind of fit in the writing? And I said, gosh, I don't know. I'm probably due for a nervous breakdown any time around now. I mean, it was obviously a joke. Yeah, and we yeah. kind of laughed oh, about that. Yeah. It was a lovely female interviewer that we'd gotten really well. And then The Sun printed that with the headline, I'm having a breakdown. And no. my mum saw it and texted me, or one of her friends saw it and said, gosh, is Rosie okay? Oh. And my mum texted me and I went out and got it. And I just couldn't... And I thought, God, me of all people... But I just actually couldn't believe that they would do yeah. that. But it was so clearly a joke. Oh. I mean, it wasn't even really something that you would put in the piece. No. I didn't think. So, I, I mean, I really had my fingers burnt then. And perhaps it was naive of me to think that wouldn't be. But I found yeah, but it don't completely you find, Especially bizarre. if you're having a nice conversation with someone, you kind of lulled into a false sense of security somewhere. Yes. I've done that you so many times really where... Yeah, God, you I'm do. glad that That's people sad. don't feel like that when they talk to yeah, hello. Very true. Okay, time for Bose's handy tips about how we can all cope a bit better over the next few weeks and potentially months 
um, under lockdown. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? We just don't know how long this is going to last. And that lack of control over our own lives can let anxiety creep in. But hopefully, if we can all follow these little nuggets of advice, it may just help. Okay, first of all, take time for yourself to stay centred and sane. Number two, seize moments of calm. They may be few and far between, but they are out there. You just need to grab them with both hands. Number three, find your sanctuary away from the chaos. Now, if like me, your whole house is chaotic, then that might be hard. But there must be a little corner somewhere where you can take yourself off and just have a moment or two. Because remember, timeouts aren't just for kids. It's really important to take a little me time because it can go a long way. I know that sounds a bit selfish because I always feel guilty if I go off and read a book or listen to some music or have a bath or all three at the same time. But I think and hope that we all come back to our jobs in the house with the kids, with our family as better mothers, better partners, more productive if we have taken a bit of time out. Cabin fever is real. So one way to smash that oppressive feeling is to learn something new. Take up a new hobby, for example. Don't resist and fight the new norm. Embrace it. Shape it to suit you. For example, you could move rooms, change the layout at your home, create a new space dedicated to a new hobby. Make working for home work for you. Don't be afraid of the silence, if indeed it exists at any point during your day. It can be truly golden after all. Try to block out unhelpful noise and that will also reduce your anxiety. It's not where you work, it's how you work. So make it work for you with a little bit of help from Bose. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. So what are your plans for Hello to Kindness for 2020? Yeah, so we've got some big plans building up to World Kindness Day, which is on the 13th of November. Um, And we're going to be doing, I mean, we're still kind of working on it, so it's sort of under wraps a bit at the moment. Um, But we're going to work on a sort of very special kindness week where we'll have some really inspirational people speaking around the topic of kindness, advocates of kindness and what it's meant to them. And that could be in a business sense, um, as well as sort of people in the public eye talking about a person that was particularly kind to them and how it improved their life but I'm very keen on the idea of kindness can change the world so there'll be an environmental aspect um, to the things that we put on for that week as well and how we can all be kinder to the planet and talking to some leaders in sort of sustainable fashion as well and how other companies are looking to make their um, their companies kinder to the planet yeah so kindness in terms of humanity and also on a bigger scale oh that's brilliant because sometimes people um look at the word kind and go it's It's a really really strong word. That's what I was about to say. My mum always says to me, that's the first trait you need to look for in a man. Nice. Nice is a slightly weak kind of word, isn't it? But kind, you know, it's cool to be kind. Um, And yeah, and kindness can change the world. And once there's a kind act, so much positivity flows from that, doesn't it? It spreads, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it kind of, yeah, kindness can be passed on. Now, what happens when you... um, come across a scandal particularly involving the royals and there's been a lot happening recently that you've had to deal with how do you approach Mm. that as a magazine 
Well, I think often we ha- I have to ch- trust my instinct. I mean, certainly sort of one example might be around Thomas Markle, who's been in the press sort of quite a lot recently. And, you know, this court case that's coming up. And I remember when that first story came out, the first interview that he gave um, was a big splash on the mail on Sunday. Um, and he talked about conversations that he'd had with the couple and a whole load of um, sort of supposed stories. And the team sort of came to me and said, how do we handle this? I mean, it's obviously a huge story. Mm. It was like before the wedding, it was in the run-up to the wedding when there were questions over whether or not he would walk his daughter down the aisle. And I just felt so uncomfortable reading it. And I thought, this has gone everywhere. You know, it's all over the Mail Online people that want to engage with that story can quite easily actually hello is not going to cover that story at all because mm. i how must somebody feel you know in the run-up to their wedding reading stories like this it must be deeply upsetting two it's not my story it's mm. kind of secondhand i don't know how what a kind of um source what a reliable source he is i haven't seen him face to face it's not one of my journalists that have met Mm. him so i can't even hand on heart say everything that he's saying is true Mm. and i just feel uncomfortable with the whole situation so we decided not that we would be a thomas markle free zone Mm. and we wouldn't cover that story Mm. So I think we have to look at each individual situation and make up our mind on it. And and much of that presumably goes on gut instinct. Yeah, your your personal gut instinct. Yeah, certainly. Mm. Yeah, I. Yeah, and then you know the team, and we're all beginning to think like that now. I think if you're in doubt, then don't do it. You know, get your own story. We're Mm. all journalists. Mm. You know, here. So yeah, and I think. People come to Hello to be uplifted and to celebrate and not to kind of leave it feeling slightly like, oh, that was a really depressing, horrible Mm. story. Mm. That's just not the area of the media that we Mm. feel. There are plenty of other places to go for that. You can get that in most other places. Well, you can, yeah. yeah. And so I'm just concerned about Hello and what we're doing, not what everybody else is doing, Mm. you know. And Mm. I have a very strong vision for what we are. Mm. And a strong vision for who you are as an individual as well, because there is more to you than being editor of Hello. That, that, that would be a big enough job in anyone's minds as it is, but you're also an author and a mum. Mm. Talk to me about work-life balance, because oh, this oh is... A, I'm hoping I can learn a few Holy things. Grail. <laughs> I don't know that you'll learn anything from me. I think I'm just sort of muddling through as much as any other mum. Um, but there was a real turning point for me. I remember when I had I had my two boys quite close together, um, 18 months between them. And, um, and I found it, I mean, it was hard, that maternity leave the second time. And, um, and I sort of kind of couldn't wait to get back to work, if I'm completely honest. I found it very difficult being at home all day, much as I love my boys to bits. For me, it is all about the mixture mm. and the juggle. I kind of love the juggle, mm. although sometimes it feels off and sometimes it feels that work is... I'm, doing, I'm at work too much and so then I need to sort of pare things back a bit and other times you know I feel that you know pulled in a heart-wrenching direction you know because a child is ill and that throws a spanner in the works it is all a juggle but mm. I learned sort of at the time of when they were both young that actually to just give up the concept of perfection mm. and once you start sort of trying to measure yourself by some imaginary yardstick anyway because who's to say what perfect is mm then everything feels a lot better. 
and to learn the power of saying no to stop trying to be the person that does everything because that is exhausting and unfulfilling. So and have you have you managed that yet? Because well, you seem yeah. to be incredibly I mean, there was busy. a stage where I was trying to write this third book, which I have now finally, I hope, finished. I saw it's that you a, finished it. Oh, yeah, God, amazing. it's been, it's kind of wrung me out. It's been a labour of love, this book, um, but an emotional book to write. And I, it was actually due in probably about two years ago initially because oh, really? um, I tried to write it in a year and it just couldn't happen. I felt stressed about it and I felt I was really not enjoying writing, which is something that I love. It really is. I mean, that is my real passion in life, telling stories. Um, and I wasn't enjoying it and, and I got myself into a real stress because I was trying to do it all. I was trying to hit that deadline. I was trying to be a good mum. I was trying to hold down mm. my job here. I was trying to go out to the events. I was meant to be out in the evenings. It was, I was exhausted. But in brackets, not close to a nervous breakdown in case your mum's listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I didn't actually have yeah. a nervous good. breakdown. Good, thank you. Just to clarify, listeners. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is not the headline yeah. for this podcast. Yeah. Um, and um, and I, you know, had lots of chats with a close friend of mine and with my husband. And they just said, well, just say no. Like, why do you have to deliver this book? And I was like, actually, the pressure was all myself, you know, on myself. And I just thought, actually, I can't deliver this book. And so I'm going to talk to my agent and the publishers. And if they, you know, want to sort of not cancel my deal, then that's fine. I'll walk mm. away from it. And... As soon as I started to speak to people, it was actually fine. And everybody said, oh, it's no problem. We'll just extend the deadline. How oh. long do you think it'll take? And kind of, and it was such a relief. Yeah. And it was then that I realized, God, I just need to not pressure myself. Mm. And I need to say no to stuff mm. and really prioritize what's important at the moment. And that was my home life, my family, and my job at Hello. And mm. actually, that's all I could cope with in that moment. Well, it seems um, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, enough, they, they, that's as it enough. is. Yeah. And sometimes things have to give sometimes mm. I feel that you know even keeping up with friendships sometimes mm. can feel hard when you're all so busy but true friends understand that and it doesn't matter mm. if you're not at every single social event with yeah. them yeah. because they're you're they're always there for yeah. you because it goes deeper than that yeah. so I think you can only do what you can do and give up being perfect and the yes person because that is just gonna end up having a breakdown yeah. <laughs> uh, but and not make you happy well exactly and do you know what I would presume that them the publisher saying that to you is another mm. boost for your confidence because it means yeah, well, you're so good you. they're prepared to wait what, however long yeah. it takes and it has taken sort of three years to write this book but I'm really happy with it now because tell us I about loved, it oh gosh well yeah I haven't even told anybody about it really because I literally finished it on Monday night Um, Because I'm good at hitting a deadline. Publishers like working with journalists because they know that it had to be in yesterday. So I was like, I am going to stay up all night if I have to, but it will be in. Um, So it's it's quite an emotional book. It's about two women. It's told in alternating chapters and they meet at a baby group. So I used a lot of my kind of experiences of that first year of motherhood in this book. And actually, that's one of the things I love about being a writer. It's so cathartic that you have this kind of means of kind of describing things that happen to you and, and sort of you know reliving those moments um, and it's it's like having a sort of tool in your tool belt that always that helps you process things mm. too so these two women meet at a baby group in London and there's a big secret between them that gets slowly revealed as the book goes on and it's all to do with one woman's sort of desire to be a mother and how far she would go 
there's a one night stand. It's a bit to do with she's she's not sure who is the father of her baby. Right. Um, it's called and only it's, ever it's yours. Called only ever yours. Yeah. So it's it's also about love. I mean, it's a love stories at the heart of it, mm. and all the different types of love: first love, married love, an obsessional kind of love. And, you know, and the fact that that exists sort of probably within all of us. Mm. Um, and you've certainly covered that in Hello! magazine. We have, various yeah, lots of, of different types of love. <laughs> yeah, so it was very different to write. I mean, it's quite a thriller as well. It's things start to sort wow. of get untangled about, you know, as you get through the book and you realise what might be going on. But it's also a story of friendship between these two women and lots of kind of crazy things that happen in that first year of having young babies brought all of that back. I was going to say, there'll be plenty of that. <laughs> yeah, the outfit changes, and poo ex- nappy explosions in cafes. And, uh, and, and leaking nipples, maybe. Leaking nipples, yeah, yeah hard boobs, and the feeding, <laughs> and the difficulties of feeding, and colic, and oh, <laughs> all God. kinds of things. That does seem like a different lifetime now, but it I was know. only a couple of years it's ago. It's an intense, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, the idea came to me, actually, when I did a baby group, an NCT course, when I had my first child, and I just thought, God, this is such a fascinating scenario that the only thing that we've got in common is the fact we're having a baby within the same kind of couple of weeks and that's it yeah um although I was very lucky I have one I had a wonderful group of women and we still have our whatsapp group and every now and again we'll share stories sort of six years on um, but obviously, it was a very intense relationship for that mm. time. We saw each other every day in those early days. You saw each other at your most emotional and your, and your most yeah, and, and your most kind of confused because yeah. your whole identity of who you once were was were kind of felt sort of different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of thought then this is such a good premise for a book, and it sort of inspired something in me. Do you know what? I remember going to one of my first NCT classes. I was really lucky actually because I had Nat, Rufus oh, Isaac, yes. Holly yeah. Branson, and. And oh, yeah. uh, Charlotte Hawkins. We oh, were all okay. <laughs> so we created our own group. Yeah. I know and it was it was brilliant because we all found out we were due at the same time, which yeah. was a complete fluke. Yes, we created our own group. So oh, actually, lovely. we already had a history of friendship together, yes. which was brilliant. But I, I never forget going into the group and the lady saying something about you know, and then you know you need to do a feed at about two a.m. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but I'm yeah. thinking. What? Two, I've got to feed at two a.m. Yes. Are you joking? Like, <laughs> well, they just slept I, can't we night. sleep? <laughs> well, just nothing can prepare you, can no. it, for the reality? Yeah. I mean, whatever anyone says, and the fact it is so hard. Like it's so much harder yeah. than you could possibly imagine. You gloss over you that. You do take the brunt of it as the mother. You know, I have a really supporting husband, and that's fantastic. I'm so lucky for that, but. It is really difficult. They never really know, do they? No. Sorry, but oh, they are. I mean, fog of sleep deprivation, oh. although I feel I still do have that. Even, even well, I now. remember We're someone not, saying to me, oh, oh, yeah, you'll see well again in probably five or six years' time. I was like, what? And now I am about five years in. And I'm still knackered. Yeah. And I still don't sleep. I think that's our life now. I think that we better get we? used to it. Yeah. We're doomed. Do you know what? I was just, one, just thinking because... Um, SJ, Sarah Jane Mee listens to this podcast and she's oh, obviously yes. oh, just sorry, she's pregnant. I was just thinking <laughs> she's going to be like, oh, great. I know. No, but it is obviously none of us would ever regret having our children, no. you know, and we're so lucky just to have them, you know. Absolutely. I really thank my lucky stars every day to yeah. that that all happened. Um, so... Yeah, so we're really lucky and we wouldn't change it, but it's tiring. And the annoying thing is, once you suffer from sleep deprivation and have children, you can just never lie in anyway, even if you get the opportunity. Oh my God, what is that And that is really unfair. I woke up at the weekend before the kids and I was going, what? 
just go back so to sleep. So I finished the book at like <laughs> gone two in the morning on Monday and my husband had kindly let me stay in a hotel so that I could then make up the sleep. I still woke up at quarter to seven. Oh. Like clockwork. Oh, and so I annoying. just can't lie in anymore. Oh, it's so, so annoying. They have stripped us of that ability yeah, to ever to... have a lie in. But also, I think spare time. Do you notice that, like, if you do have, like, say the Willows at nursery and Wilfs at school, and I have, like, an hour, mm. and I think, oh, my God, this is spare time. What yes. do I do? What do I do? I start running around going, well, quickly have a bath, relax. Yeah. Uh, you know, Light a candle. Yeah. Do something. Read a book. And yeah. then it's anything but relaxing. And then you, you're counting down the, the, the yeah. minutes till it starts again. Um, and then and you miss them when you're not with them. I know. So, I know. And you feel guilty. Crazy. Even though, and then when yeah. you are with them, they drive you up the wall yeah, half the time. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, it's all good. It's all good in the hood. In the pink and bows really want to help during this lockdown. Now, whether we can or not is another question, but we can try and we're going to do that by giving away some more Bose noise cancelling headphones. To win them, just share mini anecdotes from your time in lockdown and give us some feedback on this series. Always put in the hashtag Bose and tag in a couple of mates to do the same and you never know, those headphones could be yours. Good luck, stay safe and stay connected. Um, and the, the books that have gone before it, obviously The Stylist, yes. um, a copy of which is yeah. sitting on the table. Yeah, I brought you Tell one, I wasn't sure oh, you, you had one. I do, Oh, yes. you do? Yeah. Oh, gosh, Tell okay. us about the inspiration for Amber Green yeah. um, and, oh. and this journey that you've gone on mm. together. Yeah, well, Amber, I mean, the first, uh, the idea for The Stylist came to me actually from my experience working in women's magazines. Yeah. And I've covered award season many times. I'm actually going off to LA next week for the Oscars oh, again. I think it's my 15th year of covering the Oscars. Wow. Which so I obviously love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, for a number of publications, I did features on getting red carpet ready. I remember when I worked at Glamour magazine, I once did a feature where I had to go from Z list to A list in 24 hours. So I was the Z lister arriving sort of off my off the plane to LA, and then I had all the treatments that a star might have if they were going to the Oscars. And I borrowed gown, and I had some jewels by Jacob and Co that had their own bodyguard. I remember Jessica and Alba and I. I both got lent jewels by Jacob and Co and there was a bodyguard Amazing. at the event the Oscars event that was Making kind of sure you didn't run into the hills <laughs> yeah exactly I was the one that yeah. was probably more likely to run off with the jewels you know that dodgy girl um, from South London yeah Keep an <laughs> and um and I had about three fake tans in the course of 24 yeah. hours and looked kind of mahogany and had my hair done and everything and um and I just remembered seeing how much went into this process of getting red carpet yeah. ready and it fascinated me and one year when I worked at Grazia magazine, I trailed Mr. Armani, Giorgio Armani, the yes. day before the Oscars in his atelier that is set up in Los Angeles um, ahead of the big day. And all the A-list stars were going in for their final fittings. I met Clint Eastwood that year. My Clint became my friend because oh. uh, I was sat next to him as he was waiting for his suit fitting. And that was the year he won for Million Dollar Baby. And what it was just film. amazing. Yeah, incredible, was. wasn't it? Oh. Um, and again, seeing all of this sort of drama going mm. on, getting the perfect outfit. In a way, you know, winning accolades on the red carpet for your fashion award season is just as impactful as winning that big award and probably more lucrative as well. The mm. fashion mm. contracts that are up for grabs after award season are, are absolutely huge for any big star. 
Um, and so I was fascinated by that world and this idea came to me um, about writing about the styling world in award season. So my central character, Amber Green, is a London shop girl who gets um, chosen to be an assistant to a big stylist called Mona Armstrong during award season. But the stylist soon starts unravelling and there's a backstory with her. Um, and Amber goes out to LA and there's a love story as well. Um, and it's all about the drama of the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs and then the Oscars. This kind of sort of red carpet roller coaster that the stars go on through that awards season. Do you but know, it's funny because obviously I work mostly in sport and mm. we do have some great red carpet events. Yeah, and it's all a roller coaster of the yeah, F1 yeah, we, season. We do. And we, you know, we have Monaco Grand Prix and everything else. Yes. But nothing really prepares you for the shift if you do a, a fashion one. So I'm thinking yeah. British Fashion Awards that oh, we yes. both went to. Yes, yeah. And I Love was blown away by the uh, red carpet. The, red the carpet. Royal Albert like nothing else. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. So you've got a queue of people. You're sort of funneled down this mm. line and mm. um, it backs right up. And what I found hilarious about it was that as you edge closer to having your picture taken on the red carpet... If somebody more famous than you comes down, oh, yeah. there's this little, <laughs> there's this little system where they, where they shoot up your inside. Yeah. It's like it's like an undercut in Formula One. Anyone's yeah. listening um, that likes the Formula One. So basically, I was nearing the front, and it was kind of like your A B C D E. Yeah. And I was sort of nearing the front. I was just about, to, and then Kylie arrived, and oh, boom, yeah. I was shoved out the way. <laughs> I know. It's quite comical, really, oh, isn't it? But the pressure... Well, Kylie's for... not going to queue, put it that way. No, and neither exactly. she. She's going to go straight the way through. Yeah. Um, but something going wrong as well on the red carpet or, you know, at a big event. I remember when Jennifer Lawrence tripped over her dress um, going up to the stage to collect her Oscar one year and the stylist is like quaking in their kind of oh. flats, probably. They're not even in their heels. Um, you know, watching that thing, you know, oh God. Or do you remember Madonna's yeah. cape at oh, the yeah, Brit Awards? When that then... Stole all of the headlines. Yeah. No one can remember who won anything that year, but they can remember what happened with Madonna's cape getting caught. And that would presumably be the stylist's fault. Well, a st somebody's yeah. head is on the, potentially on the block. So, <laughs> But Amber kind of finds herself in all of these situations, but actually ends up saving the day because of her just kind of normality in a way and Britishness and sense of humour. Yeah. But also she's canny and she really wants to succeed. She's, she's driven. So how much um, of of you is there in her I think yeah I mean it was the first book that I wrote and every author says it there is generally a lot of you in that yeah I think there is a feeling a sort of a slight outsider in the world that she initially felt like I certainly felt like that when I was watching Mr Armani like this is crazy you know but I'm fascinated by it and uh and I really enjoyed writing about it all did you feel a bit um, of a fraud did you think this isn't my world but yeah, I'm peeping it wasn't in my world mm. yeah but I think that's a bit of being a journalist as well you yeah, have to yeah. always feel like that but you have to have a keen interest in mm. other worlds you know but being able to yeah make them relate to your audience so, so you've got every right relatable. to be there yeah you've yeah got as much right as anybody that's it and you just got but excitingly the style stylist is being dramatized for a movie so I'm oh that is so there are some meetings cool. in LA and next week to do that there's a screenplay now which is fantastic it's really funny and it's thrilling really for me to see this character brought to life so touch wood I just hope it all keeps going in the right direction and gets made so when you go over to LA you'll know more about that when yes. you find out yeah that is so cool yeah because so you could so. have a lot it's of fun a with this process it's 
this um yeah yeah but the the screenplay is really funny it's a romantic comedy um so it's the kind of film that you'd watch with your girlfriends and come out and all want to go and have cocktails immediately in the pub that feeling that i had when i watched sex in the city or the devil wears prada you know for the first time so really feel good and good fun but again with a love story at the heart of it Mm. i'm an old romantic at the end of of the day i love a good love story i feel like we're missing something like that at the moment because the sex in the city thing no. I don't think anything's really replaced that I mean no. it's, we've, we've gone a different direction in many yes. ways haven't we which is which is a good thing yeah. but sometimes we want to hark back to we do I to think that especially when there's so much going on in the wider world that's kind of really sort of unstable and makes us feel insecure sometimes you just want to be entertained mm. I think never like underestimate the value of good old entertainment mm. something to make you laugh and, and the escapism and, that offers yeah mm. and to love your friends and family that little bit more when you've watched it yeah. and that that's kind of the theme that I want people to have when they come away from reading my books and reading the magazine. So, I mean, so much going on. But have you got any personal unfulfilled ambitions or ambi- what are your ambitions for both yourself and for the magazine mm. for hello well for the magazine yeah i'm particularly excited about this kindness initiative we've got this year and really pushing that because it seems to resonate with our audience i mean it also yeah resonates with the people that we feature and even our commercial partners so mm. hopefully there's something for everyone in that kind of ethos and and i think if people feel that their job is meaningful then that makes you get out of bed and go to work every day. So I certainly feel like that for our wider staff as well, that if everybody can really feel engaged and passionate about that, and that's good for all of us. So, yeah, and obviously building the platforms that we work across now, we've got lots of plans for video, uh, hello. So kind of, we're, we're a very visual magazine, we're all about big, glossy imagery. So we're really translating that into TV and uh, mm. video aspects now. We're building a studio in our oh, cool. offices just just opposite there across the road um <clears throat> so yeah lots of ambitions for hello we you know we're aiming to sort of conquer and be you know the biggest women's media brand in the uk so um and and for me personally i guess the writing it, i always want to be a part of my life you know it's, it's my passion it's kind of a ridiculous hobby to have because it can be so all-consuming but i get a lot from it i really enjoy it and I think the mix, it's quite a solitary thing to do, to mm. be writing, but then that perfect mixes so well with my job at Hello, which is so sociable. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, can you write in the house when the kids no. are there? No. I Go try, on. but you know what it's, it's like. Even I go and lock myself away at the top of the house where our bedroom is. I've got a little writing area that I spent ages kind of getting right. But I can still hear them in the garden yeah. or downstairs or someone will creep up and be, Mummy, yeah. um, I just can't switch off. And you're constantly thinking, oh, I forgot to take the washing out of the washing room. So yeah. I can't write until that's done. Or like I need to defrost something for dinner or, you know, there's just always something to do when you're at home. Yeah. So I go away um, and try and stay somewhere for like two or three nights and I write in a block. Okay. And I'll do like 5,000 words and then slowly it builds up. And, so, and does that and does that always work, or does it depend do on your frame of mind as well? If friend, oh, I'm yeah. really like almost superstitious. I have to have a candle lit when I write as well. It's like everything's got to be clear, make me feel like I've got a clear head. Yeah. And then when I go into the zone, I can work like all evening and all night because you're just there with your characters. And yeah. It's really creative. Mm. I really really love it. Before I go, I just wanted to ask you. I've just remembered it. Oh. The crown. 
What do you yes, make of I the know, crown? Yeah. And how does that kind of sit with Hello and your approach well, we to the Royal the Crown? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's a huge show for our audience. Um, I, ha- I have to confess, I haven't got fully into this latest, latest series, series yet. Yeah. yeah, although it's had kind of mixed sort of reviews. Hasn't well, it's it? creeping I mean, ever closer to current day. Yes. So you're looking at people that you that you, you really know and you're more. thinking, well, yeah, because I, mean, I loved the first two series. Yeah. I mean, Claire Foy oh, for me. I mean, and Matt as well as Prince Philip. I mean, he was just incredible as Mm. well. Mm. Um, I thought those two, yeah, just their chemistry and the way they portrayed those characters is brilliant. But, I mean, it's all good for Hello, really, this interest in the royal family, you know. And it's, yeah, it is a fascinating time. And But, you know, we did a big survey, actually, um, the results of which are in the magazine currently, um, about how people felt about the royal family mm. in the light of, you know, everything that's happened recently. And the support for the Queen was overwhelming. We've never had such a big response to an online survey. And people still, certainly the Hello audience, perhaps unsurprisingly, still believe in the monarchy as an institution. Yeah fully support the Queen, think that she has behaved in a way that is really fantastic, you know, recently. She hasn't put a foot wrong, really. I mean, it's, no, you never know behind the scenes. but she's a sign of stability yeah, really in is. these changing Crazy times. Whatever's world. happening yeah. sort of yeah. politically, you know, mm. economically, the Queen has always been there. And mm. I feel like I kind of, I like that as part mm. of, you know, the way I view this country. It's part of the fabric mm. of Britain. So I hope things settle down for her. Yeah, because you, you're right, there, there aren't any other constants, are there? You know, the political really. turmoil, the political scene, and you yeah, can't really changes. believe or buy into that in yeah. the same way. So well, kindness as well, you know, yeah. that's another reason why I really care about that, because that is uh, something that's a constant, where it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are, you know, or what else is going on in the world, you can still always be kind, and that can unite us all. Oh, a lovely note to finish on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rosie. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for your you. time. It's great to see you. No, I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time, Rosie. God, it feels like a lifetime ago that we sat down and had that chat. It's kind of strange when you think about actually interacting with other humans, isn't it? Anyway, uh, do let us know what you think, who else you'd like us to speak to on In The Pink, and you can still win those Bose noise-cancelling headphones. Just leave a comment on Instagram. Let us know who you've enjoyed, who you want to hear from next. Tag a mate in, rate, review, subscribe, join our In The Pink community, and a pair of those headphones could be winging their way to you. Um, Thanks so much for your time and your company. Plenty more F1 guests coming up, including Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. It'll be good to hear from the McLaren boys. And uh, yeah, we've got Will Greenwood actually later this week and Kate Thornton. So plenty to look forward to. Um, In the meantime, look after yourselves. Stay connected with us, stay healthy. And we'll see you very soon.